0: Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here, and we're coming at you on a Fundamental Friday. It may not be Friday for you, but it's Friday for me, and I'm calling it Fundamental Friday because I've seen some other people put it as a Fundamental Friday, and I think we should have a Fundamental Friday. Before I get into it, though, a ton going on Quick shout out to everybody up in Alaska. Hope you're safe and sound and everything's good. This morning there was a earthquake seven point one in Anchorage. A lot of road damage. Everybody's houses were all tossed. Uh, looks like they were all robbed. Um, so I, what I understand though, Taylor's under his bear rug in his office, drinking his own urine, trying to survive. So I don't know what's up with that, but he he's he's screwed. Um, I I I understand he's tapping Morse code. On the walls, trying to get somebody to realize he's in there. but if you're anywhere around Stuart, Anchorage, Alaska, Wiggy Alaska there, go get Mark out from under his big giant bear rug that's hanging on the wall. He's fucked. Um, but hopefully everybody's safe and sound as well. I guess there was one in Argentina. Uh, so if you guys are down there in Argentina listening, I hope you're doing I didn't seem like it was damagey in Argentina. I smell a conspiracy guys. I, I think we got an issue here and I'm not really sure which way I'm going to go with it, but it sounds like a conspiracy. Maybe like all this like negative Trump stuff going on. He hit the earthquake button in two different places to kind of press the world to kind of, you know, squish their head. You ever seen that thing? I'm squishing you. I'm squishing you. I'm squishing you. So we got that going on. I stopped by mile high shooting yesterday and I actually picked up that TL3 barreled action that Adam had the guy spin up for me. Um, this is going in the MDT yeah MDT ACC chassis. It's nice. It uh, matches up really well because this MDT chassis is sort of that silver gray color that they have going on, and we did the bighorn barreled action. I needed something that didn't have the recoil lug issues and that I can move around easily so i put the big horn together um the tl3 and that's gonna drop right in i got that all worked on i also spun up the oss uh break on it because i'm gonna run the oss suppressor oss suppressor has that similar color um that almost matches this entire package and I, i just i started playing with the oss suppressors i'm really digging what they're doing I may put one of them on this Valkyrie. I'm going to pull the brake off the Valkyrie, the JP, and I'm going to run a suppressor on it. I may just run the OSSs right now. But I talked to Randy yesterday at Mile High. We were sitting down, having a little conversation, had a nice little bagel with him over there. And I guess Mile High is picking up some OSS suppressors. So you'll be able to get your suppressor fixed through Mile High and OSS. I got three of them now here that they sent, and I'm kind of a fan of them. I really like what I'm looking at, and, and just the quick time I went out with the one rifle, I got to move it around um, with that 308. There was something, issue, uh, something going on with it, so I got to move that back over to uh, a different rifle, but that was part of what I was doing was playing with all this. I'm confused whether or not I want to load in all those weights right away with that MDT chassis or what. I also like their vertical grip. They they included their new vertical grip, and it moves forward and back. It's not a lot of movement. It's probably just shy of a half inch or so, but for hand placement... This MDT chassis has a lot of really good features like that. It has that hand placement. When we're talking fundamentals, we're talking getting your 90-degree trigger finger, we're we're talking about your cheek weld and all these things, and I'm going to get into a little bit of fundamental stuff for Fundamental Friday in a minute. But with this chassis, I like what they did with their grip. You can go either way. There's sort of a little bracket, so you can either put on some Magpul style grip or something to that effect, you know, whatever grip you like, you can mount or you can remove that one screw, put on this bracket they have with a longer screw and then mount their vertical grip. And that has that movement forward and back. I combined this, I actually had a, um, a Spear KDX DX2 trigger here. And I put that trigger on, um, right now, And that trigger has that movable shoe as well. So I can line up both the trigger shoe and the grip distance from the shoe to try to really nail down that fundamental. You could float the thumb on the ledge. You could do whatever you want. And I like their ledge isn't too big. It's enough to let you know there's a ledge there, but it's not like so far out that it knocks your hand out of position a little bit. Also, looking at this rear, uh, the buttstock part of this, the, the function, the features, the movement. Butt plate, up, down, left, right. Real simple. Locking, out, forward. You know what I mean? It comes in and out. Cheek piece, up, down, left, right. You got movement in that cheek as well. So again, marksmanship, fundamentals. Setting the rifle up to the shooter for comfort. Now, you could set it up Neutral but you can find a happier neutral for you versus setting up the rifle strictly left-handed or right-handed. But if you're one of those guys who really never sees themselves going to shoot in one of those other ways, support side kind of thing, you can set this rifle up perfect for you in in your positions and things that you're doing. The adjustability is, is really something to crow about with this MDT ACC. And then combine it with the weight system. Well, weight system number one can go inside the the, um, the channel of the fore end, or you have the M lock ones that can go on the outside to even increase the weight more. So you got options, man. You got options going on. But I got this barreled action TL three. It matches up that uh you know that that DLC coating, that silver kind of coating with a little black accents to it. Uh, mile High knocked it out quick, man. I think I just mentioned this the other day, and, and I think they did it in ten days. You know, they don't screw around there. Honestly, I want to go in that direction just for a second before I jump into fundamentals. We got plenty of time here, and I talk fast. Well, I talk so fast. But um coffee, man. A lot of coffee. Coffee. But anyway, um what uh what I uh I don't even know where I was going with that, but oh, with barreled actions. If you're a Company out there, and you're looking to jump into this. To me, having barreled actions on the shelf is not a bad idea. Figure out the most popular profiles, the most popular calibers, go with some neutral colors. Uh, I mean, you know, this really kind of makes it so easy. I mean, I have chassis, there's so many chassis out there, you're gonna drop it in, you don't really almost need that extra added expense of customizing. So it's like, hey. Go build me a barreled action. I save a little money. I get bare bones, whatever I need. Bring it back here. And then I just drop it in whatever freaking stock or chassis I need to drop it in. And, and, and to me, that works out so dang well. Uh, I'm, I'm totally psyched. And, and funny, because I picked this up, like I said yesterday, I got the call today from Josh Kuntz and the Hancock from... Earlier in the Nucleus and all that stuff, the Hancock that he's building, that's done and he shipped out my Hancock today. So I have a Hancock rifle, one of the production rifles that are legal for PRS and all that. That's a sub $2,000 semi-custom production from Josh Kuntz, Patriot Valley Arms. And I talked to him at SHOT Show and I was in no hurry making sure that Nucleus stuff was all dealt with. Everything was good. Uh, There's actually some big threads on both the Nucleus uh, action and the Hancock builds and the stuff from Josh at Patriot Valley. But I got a complete off-the-shelf kit that he sells to everybody else. It's not anything crazy. It's not anything nuts. But the funny thing, and I almost forgot I did this because I did it back at SHOT Show, is it's coming in 6BR. (laughs) Ha ha! So I got this Hancock coming in 6BR and um, it's cool because I have that 6BR ammo that I had talked about in other podcasts with Adams and all that. I'm not going to do the BRA, BRX. I just got straight 6BR. Mile High has the inserts from uh, Dan Hansen, hard gear, HRD gear to do the 6BR out of the AICS magazines. So boom, I'm golden. I can go into Mile High. I can get the uh, the mag upgrade kit. I got two cases of 6BR ammo here, no problem. All uh, factory Lapua. I think I have a heavy and a light load. I think there's like a 95. I don't. It's been eight. I've had these since 2001. These are old, old wooden case Lapua that I'd gotten. I think I told you the story where we did the Ghost Dancer project for Snipers Hide back in 2000, 2001. We built Savage 260 F-class rifle c- tactical crossover. They were 260s. Uh, McMillan A5 stock. We did the when, the, when we worked with McMillan and did the first A5 stock through Snipers Hide. Uh, we then you know did projects with them, and the Ghost Dancer was one of those projects. And the prototype McMillan A5 stocks became part of this. Then when the production rifles came out. Then we did the GA Precision Sniper's Hide Rifle Number 1, the Headhunter. And so there was that, you know what I mean? So we had this whole thing going around the A5 stock. And we did this Ghost Dancer project. And I ended up, when I was done, I wasn't really sure what I felt. Like, going to the F-Class match, I was brand new. I hadn't seen any of this. We did a week-long Spirit of America F-Class match. And you know we're using these tactical crossover rifles. I think I use like a 10x or 17x, um, you know, to shoot F class. US Optics tactical scope with a big ass thick mil dot reticle. It wasn't even like any fancy reticle. It was like a P3, and we shot this Spirit of America six day Raton, the whole thing, and we were shooting 260. Now. When we did this project, and it was kind of Greg's idea, and then Danny Dark Eagle, uh, Danny Shumway, a young kid, he was 15, 16 at the time, he ended up passing away when he was 18 in a motorcycle accident, and his dad, uh, Dan Shumway, Dark Eagle, does a lot of stuff in upstate New York, great gunsmith, you know, just doing wonderful things in upstate New York. He made a lot of those aftermarket Savage magazines and still does. Makes the better Savage magazine. Well, they did these 260s and we ended up getting all these 260s from Savage for 250 a piece, because Savage had this discontinued the 260 uh, models. So we bought them. Then we turned them into this Ghost Dancer. Well, when it was over, looking at F-Class, the winner... In the 600-yard and in and all that, at the time, the F-Class team was using 6'5", 284s, but the better guys were doing that 6 millimeter PPC. So, you know, it was like there was a bit of discussion going on with these 6 millimeters and F-Class, and that was starting to come up and get popular, especially the 600-yard and in F-Class was dominated by 6mm PPC and that stuff. So, for me, you know, it all goes back to me and factory ammo. I need to shoot factory ammo because i I got no time to reload. And what Danny uh, Shumway did, Danny, like, mollied the 260 we were shooting. He did all the prep work. He was doing a ton of reloading work. And I had just started getting into it myself. I'm like, ah, too much work. I don't like it. I want factory ammo. So... It came up like, well, 6BR. Lapua makes factory ammo in 6BR. So I sent the rifle, to GA Precision, George Gardner, and we turned that 260 into a 6BR single-shot Savage. Removed the barrel nut, so it's a Savage with no barrel nut. We did all this, like, tricked-out work, but we used the same A5 stock and a bunch of other stuff. And... There wasn't a lot of info beyond the F-Class. And I'm like, it didn't feed into magazine. I'm not using it. Because now, you know, jump forward a couple years. And we went from the Headhunter to the Harbinger. Badger bottom metal. And we have, um, you know, magazine-fed rifles now. So that got shelved, And I hadn't touched that thing since probably 2001, 2002. But I had the ammo. So now Josh... Did the Hancock Nucleus Patriot Valley rifle and I have it in 6BR. So I can I can go I can go shoot with Adam, man. Keep time with Adam. That that'll be a fun little project to play with. I'm um, I'm gonna do uh, um what do you get out of the box open it up review of the production Hancock. Cause it is I mean I don't know how it still works. I don't even know if there is a production class in PRS next year. I don't know how any of that seems like it's a it's a it never took off very well. Um, but it is was okay for a production class rifle if you're gonna compete. So that that was one of the things that um we did. So lots going on, a lot of stuff coming in. Also, quick shout out to um Chaz Charles Bayless up there. He sent me his taffy bag, and I had said to you guys, I you know, the bags, the bags, the bags. You got the game changer, you got the Saracen, you got the Warhorse stuff, you got the tactical Utters, you got the fortune cookie, you know, there's all these bags. And I when when I had first gotten the the um the Sirison, I commented how big and heavy they are. And the game changer's heavy too. You know, you we were looking at a six, seven pound bag. To carry around. Now, when you're only walking five feet up to a barricade and you throw it on, and you do that, seven pounds is no big deal. You just go throw it back in your ruck, and you're only walking from yard line to yard. You know, easy. So when I had said to Chaz, I was like, "Man, dude, why don't we make these smaller? Why do we got to make such big ass bags? I mean, our our forearm isn't that wide. We just need to go a little bit beyond that. We yeah, we want some heft to it and some weight, and to get rid of." What we're trying to solve is hard to heart contact. And to me, if you look at it, with the, 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 the sort of wedge, um, I don't know what you would call it, sort of that angle cut in the middle of some of these bags. One of the reasons, and, and uh, dude, it's just personal opinion, it's not a slam. I, I use them both, and I'm going to come around again, but relax. I like the way the legs on the Warhorse bags will lay flat and open up. And I kind of felt with certain barricades in certain places, you'd almost put the game changer upside down or sideways because when you take those two lower ends and you lay them flat, you get that weird pinch in the middle and it creates this bulge, fold, I don't know how you would describe it, but it kind of creates this weird little thing to me. And I was always like, oh, that's, and it's, it's just perception. I, I'm sure it does nothing. But I was like, eh, that's a little weird. I'd like a little, what, what I had said to somebody is when you look at the angle coming up to the center in, in, the, in the sewing and the seam in there, it needs a gusset, right? It needs a gusset to me to be wider. And that's sort of what the Saracen and the Comanche bags do. So I think they're gusseted a little bit better and they lay flat. And I like them to me, they, they give me that like back on the other side of the decimal point, other side of the decimal point advantage. Okay, so then, again, seven-pound bags. I said, how about a smaller bag? So we end up with the Comanche. Smaller, it's, it's like half the size of the Cirruson. I used it, shot it at Gunworks. I think it went really, really well. I, I liked it without having to carry the extra weight. In fact, it's pretty funny because I wasn't quite sure how much walking we were going to have to do on that second day of Gunworks because I knew the second day was a field match. So I carried the Comanche and not the Saracen. I carried the small one. Now, fast forward again. I go down to um, Guardian, go see Gary Larson and his great matches. And Gary's Gary's going to do one in Ireland. Gary's got matches happening in Ireland. If you're in Ireland right now listening, Gary Larson's coming to see you. Lucky Irish, man. He's all about it. Give him a four-leaf clover. Tell Gary thanks. Nice Irish boy. And, and, and make sure that y- y- you go visit Gary at his uh, Ireland match if it didn't happen already. Hopefully it didn't, and I'm not missing the game there. But anyway, so then I go to the Guardian match, and I meet Clifton Reasoner from Game Changer, and I sit with him. I'm with Billy and Maxine Nix. I meet Clifton. He's part of a sponsor. We get to talking, and he shows me the Game Changer pint bag. Awesome. Small, tiny, nice little thing. It's, it's a better size. And I'm like, yeah, I dig that. That pint bag is actually really cool. And so we're now seeing these bigger bags start to trend down, start to get a little smaller. And what, um, what Chaz did on this, uh, this Taffy bag, and Taffy, I guess, is an Australian horse from World War I. He does all these horses' names. He's got this brick it's, it's literally probably the size of a brick. I would almost guess his, his template came from a brick. So if you, if you can picture a brick, it's that big. And, you, you know, he's got a Velcro insert on one side. You could actually open it, get into it. It's a heavy, it's not super heavy. I can weigh it, but it's not super heavy, but it's solid. But you can adjust the fill because it's got one side with a fill He's got like a carabiner on each end, like a little tab carabiner. And then he's got the, it looks like arm straps. Adam was funny. He's like, I'm going to put it on my elbow and use it like an elbow pad because it almost looks like it's meant for your arm to slip in, but it's meant for, it's got small half inch, three quarter inch straps, um, that Velcro, right. And that goes on your forearm, uh, you know, your hand guard, forearm, whatever you want to call it, and you'll attach it to the rifle, and then you can sit it down and put it now hard-to-hard contact. The top and the bottom are non-skid, that sort of rubbery non-skid that guys use. Really well-made bag, really nice. I'm digging on it, and, and so I picked that up at mile-high 2 yesterday. And, uh, again, all good stuff, all great bags. And, you know... It's personal preference. It doesn't matter. We're 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 solving the same problem. It's just size, shape, and weight. Okay, what suits your needs within that size, shape, and weight? Okay, what do you want to carry and all that? So, um, you know, I'm 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 looking at that. So then I get you know, uh, I get to cruising around. I'm getting caught up and doing all these different things. And I'm in front of the computer. We're having some good conversations. Guys want to know, you know, who hasn't drank the 6-5 Creedmoor Kool-Aid yet? And it's like, well, Kool-Aid went out the window once the army said, yeah, it's viable. But, um, you know, so that whole fad conversation started to die with that. So I'm, I'm cruising around and I'm thinking, well, good responses from the po- last podcast with the fundamental stuff. I want to stick with that. And I look at Facebook this morning. I see Phil did Free Recoil Friday with the fundamentalist. I'm like, cool still, you know, trolling back free recoil Friday. I'm like, nah, fundamental Friday sounds better. And I like, he kind of said that too. I'm I'm stealing it from him, you know, uh, imitation, best form of flattery, digging on it. And, uh, so I'm saying, you know, we talk trigger control, we talk follow through, we talked about, you know, coming off of Kalen's heels, natural point of aim. One of the ones that gets overlooked all the time, and we don't think a lot about it is sight picture, sight alignment, sight picture, Right. And if we go back to original intent, sight alignment, sight picture was more of that descriptor for iron sights, front sight, rear sight, right? Sight alignment, sight picture. What's the, what's, the, what's the fix for consistency and all that? Setting up the rifle for a good consistent cheek weld. So part of this fundamental element of it, it comes down to rifle setup too, So we got to make sure length of pull is good. We got to make sure that that we can get in behind the rifle and you have that good, consistent, solid cheek weld that you can index the same every time. You know, that's why when you set that rifle up, I always tell people, well, before I even put the scope on, I lay down, I get in my prone, I get on the rifle and I kind of look at it like I'm going to fall asleep. I get really comfortable and I figure out where that is. Then... Kind of with my eyes closed, I bring the optic up and put it on the pick rail. Now, I know where I'm going to put it. I'm going to be one pick from the back minimum. Space. uh, This is huge, man. Space your rings in a equal consistent way. So when you put them on your pick rail, you want to move the whole scope forward one pick or back one pick. So you have to space your scope rings in a way that you can move it forward or back. A lot of times we see guys use the edge. Well, then there's no adjustability for your sight picture, for your eye relief, and to make sure you can bring the scope to you. The scope has to come to you. You, can't wrap, you don't want to wrap around the rifle. You can, but you don't want to. You want to bring the scope to you. Lay in on the stock, get a good cheek well, good comfortable position, Everything's golden. Put the scope on it. Open your eyes and you should have edge-to-edge clarity with your sight picture. Okay? Sight alignment is putting your eye directly in line behind the scope so there's no shattering, shadowing. No shadowing. Then your sight picture is edge-to-edge clarity. No scope shadow, no nothing, because that'll throw the round off, you know? So you want that adjustability to move that scope forward and back, because in some scopes that may have, and we talk about this a lot, a, a picky, finicky eye box. The eye box is that area behind the scope with your eye relief, and how forgiving it is in your eye alignment so that you're not seeing shadowing. And that's dependent on a lot of factors i mean one of the reasons why guys will get on bag on march a bit you don't see marcher marcher darling with f-class and bench rest because they have huge high magnification right good optics with them high magnification range but that comes at a price it creates a critical eye box that makes it very hard and if you're in an f-class or bench rest situation You're not moving behind the rifle, really, and they do a bit of that free recoil. So really, you're just using your scope, and I do this in my class. You got sight alignment and sight picture, but with a scope, we're aiming. So I talk about it more in aiming, where sight alignment is adjusting that cheek weld and making sure that's good and getting your head up and comfortable. Your head's got to be straight. You don't want to be rolled over too far. None of that. So you got to get that cheek really good, really consistent, and try to balance the the stock in the back of the rifle so that your head is in line. Then you bring the optic to you and you do this on max power with infinity or your parallax set to infinity. Parallax to infinity, max power on the scope because max power has the most critical, smallest, shortest eye relief, okay? Okay. And then you bring that to you, and without compromising that cheek, you gotta glue your friggin' face to that stock. And without compromising that cheek, you wanna make sure that you got good edge-to-edge sight picture. Alright? And again, your scope has a bearing on this because the more magnification, the more multiplier you put, the more critical it becomes. The harder it is to establish it from when you're off a little bit, that's why we lower power, right? The lower magnification opens up that eye box and allows you to be a little more forgiving. So if you're doing positional stuff, that opens up, okay? So we do all that. We get it all set up to us. Then lock everything down, do what you got to do, make sure it's all good and tight, torque settings, things like that, and make sure it's not going to move or loosen up. Okay, and that establishes that part of our sight picture. Then there's another part. There's a missing element to it that we have to look at. So now when you look at a shooter, a new shooter especially, new guy, comes to a class, we do the eval and all this, the thought process becomes, okay, my target's that way. They don't know natural point of aim, so they haven't played with that and they don't set it up. We talked about natural point of aim in the in the previous podcast, 117 before. So now they don't know that. They, don't, they haven't taken a class yet. They don't know natural point of aim. So they say, target's down there. And they look through their scope and they point the reticle at the target. Then they start going through mental checklists. See if you do this. Think about it. And now they're really not looking at the target anymore. They start looking at all these other things around them mentally, subconsciously, with their brain. So they'll line up the reticle. Then they say, well, my breathing. Breathing's a fundamental. What do I got to do with my breathing? And they're up and down and breathing. And they go, I got to take a big deep breath. I got to let it halfway out. (sighs) Hold it. Break the shot. So now their brain subconsciously is looking at their chest because you're thinking about your breathing now. We don't ever think about our breathing except when people talk about shooting. Driving our car, banging a nail, banging your wife, it doesn't even matter. Nobody thinks about breathing. We just do it. When we exert ourselves, we breathe heavier. Then we relax and it goes back to normal. We got all these things going on. But when you start thinking about it, your brain is now looking at your chest. Okay? We need to take the breathing out of the equations. Two big balloons in our chest, heart in the middle, beating against them. You got to collapse on your skeletal section so you break at the bottom of your breathing cycle, right? That collapses on your skeletal structure, takes that diaphragm out of the equation, takes your lungs out. They're no longer bouncing against the heart, the whole thing. Balloons are out of the equation. So, but your brain is looking at that. Now you're going over and you go, okay, am I on the target? And you may see it drifted a little bit. You may see it's kind of where you need it. And you may go, oh, it's still touching the black. How close I need to be. Next thing you're thinking about is trigger control. Now I got to press the trigger, right? I got to press the trigger, which none of the new shooters do. Very few, unless they watch watched videos and stuff and paid attention to the fundamentals through our stuff. If you watch anybody else, they're like, Bang, bing, finger off, bing, they're booger flickers, right? Booger flick, booger flick. So, I mean, honestly, there's some of those videos out there I would have thrown away if I saw what I look like looking like that. It's like, you're the instructor and you look like that? Nah, that's not good. Anyway, so now they're thinking about their trigger. Their brain is looking at that and they're missing so much of what's going on with sight picture. They're not paying attention. We've kind of glossed over it. We, we're looking, but we don't see. Watch the reticle on the target. Cut the target into four equal pieces no matter what part of the reticle you're using. 100% of your focus goes to the reticle-target relationship. Our body knows how to breathe. We know how to press a trigger. That's what dry fire is for. Repetitions, repetitions, repetitions to make it subconscious. Right? Focus to the target-reticle relationship. Make sure it's where it needs to be and it's not drifting because of our press. If you do find as you're going through your press and the reticle's moving, you might have have to adjust your trigger a little bit, maybe get an aftermarket and bring it down. Don't bring it down so unsafe, but bring it down in a place where you're not pulling the rifle off target. 100% of your focus to the target-reticle relationship Let the finger do its job. Don't worry about your breathing. You just know you're going to break at the bottom. Bang. Watch the target. Follow the bullet to the target. Maintain focus. Follow through has two parts. A physical part and a mental part. The physical part is holding the trigger to the rear until the recoil pulse is over. The mental part is watching everything going on downrange and where that reticle is. Look. Look. See what's happening. Focus on what's happening. Put your mind to where the hit's gonna be. Chevy Chase, man. Na 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 That's what you need to do. Cool. Then, when you see the result of your shot, there's nothing else you can do except fix it. Run the bolt and shoot. Look at my the last those Valkyrie videos I did. The fifteen, the one mile, and the twenty one hundred. Watch me, because I only shot like a mag here, a mag there. I didn't go and shoot mags. I shot one. But watch me shoot those Valkyrie videos. I am on the trigger. I don't move. You see my hand in the exact same position as when the shot broke until I see the hit. And with the Valkyrie, with that like megasecond friggin' time of flight to a mile... I'm on that trigger a long-ass time. Look at my group. 7 out of 10 hits. 3 for 3 at 2100. Watch what I look like in my form. I'm seeing it. I'm calling it. I'm paying attention to it. My focus never leaves that till I see the hit. I don't have to turn around and ask Brian what I do. Now, yeah, something might move or it might be small or I might be out of my field of view and I may have to say to the spotter, I didn't see it. What did you see? Part of it was like he was using with his bolt action. He had that Horus, that tremor. I actually would move because I had such a long time of flight. It's such a tiny bullet. The splash is not big, but it was there. I actually moved the Horus out of my way and got like to this four o'clock spot on the reticle to give me a clear field of view. I don't like the Horus. I'm not a Horus fan. In something shooting like the Valkyrie at 1,500 one mile and two grand, it was in my way. I had to physically move it out of my way to see what I wanted to see. That's why I don't like it. Because in something so small, it does risk covering it up. And a lot of times, especially with us in Wind... What we'll see is a delay. The Horus blocks the the impact, but then you see the dirt as it blows away. So people think, oh, I hit on the right. Well, really, they hit on the left. The dirt blew behind the target, and you didn't see it till it appeared on the right. But because that reticle is blocking a lot of your view, you miss the, the, the nuances. You miss the tiny elements. And I found that happened to me with that 224. I moved the radical out of my way. That's all I'm going to say. Not a fan. But watch my follow through. Watch my head. Watch what's going on. Understand even at 2100, I saw my splashes. Sight picture, sight picture, sight picture. This also goes, and I include this as a fundamental, I include it in my discussion as a fundamental. I don't call it a fundamental, but I include it as part of the the completion. It's like an add-on to follow-through. Calling your shot. Okay, back in the day, calling your shot. Coach slung up. Check your natural point of aim. So when you rock on recoil and come back, guy's standing. He's going to shoot a 200-yard standing target, iron sights with his sling. Marine Corps, is what I did, had to qualify, 200 yards, M16A2, sling, iron sights. Standing shot, I fire, I re- recoil back, come back onto target, because my natural point of aim is set up well, I recover my sight picture back on to make sure it's where it needs to be, and the coach, PMI, would say, where were the sights when the shot broke. Target goes down. It's going to be coming back up with the spotter and the marker in it so we can see what happened. But he'll say to me, what was your call? Where were your sights when the shot broke? My sights were right there. Good, blah, blah, blah. I hit at this position. He goes, okay, that's a windage call. Let's fix it. I hit off, low, something, that's a frank problem. We need to fix that. Low left, low right. Maybe it's a trigger control frank problem. Okay, we got to fix you. We're not changing the sights. Some people, though, do adjust the sights to their error. Where in this case, I don't want to adjust the sights to the error because I'm working with a coach. I want to fix me before I start dialing in my bad shot. Now, fast forward. Beep. Time travel in Chinese. They land in the future, no more iron sights, no more slinged up shooting, I'm prone with a bipod and a scope. Look at the video. Where are the sights when the shot broke? That's what I tell you. Where are the sights? You should be able to see. Now some people blink, some people black out, white out, all that, it's a practice thing. If you look at the videos, if you look at the low recoiling rounds, the muzzle brakes, the heavy bags, the ba- all the stuff, everything I talk about, pour it in a bucket and pour that bucket out. All that stuff is just sprawled out on the floor, right? Where are the sights? Because the video shows the rifles barely move. In Alaska, we do the demo with Mark, the recoil management demo with Mark's 338. He's still drinking his urine, guys. Go save him. So anyway, we do a demo with Mark and the 338, And I hold my hand on his scope. Then when he fires, I let people see the separation between the scope, the recoil, and my hand. It's less than three-eighths of an inch. That's how little it's moving. Then it's coming right back on target. It's just flexing on his elite iron bipod, and it comes right back on target. He doesn't even have to move to fire his next shot, and he still gets his hit. No correction as far as body position goes. Where are the sights when the shot broke? Put your brain into the present. Put your Engages your mind. Radical, target, relationship. Site picture, site alignment, all those things come together. Think about it. Think about how your scope is set up. Think about how you mounted it. Are your rings in a place? Off-season, guys, tear all that shit apart. Let's put it together right. Move the scope forward a notch, back a notch. Okay? Line up, so that way you get good edge-to-edge clarity, max power, Right? White background, a wall, whatever the case you may be, when you address the rifle, don't hunt for that sight picture. If you're hunting forward, scope's gotta come back. If you're hunting, pushing your neck back because it's too much on top of you, it's gotta go forward. Okay. The cheeks, man, this MDT. The cheek piece has a slider for sight alignment. Okay? That's what that slider, even AIs have them. If you pull the cheek off an AI, there's an oblong notch under there so you can go left or right so you can get your head straight so you're not rolled over and you can get your head in line behind your optic. Magic. It's about setting it up. Okay, it's your car. It's making sure your seat, like I, went, I had to bring the car, um, one of the cars is, off, uh, is getting rid of it this month. So I had to go do a bunch of stuff with it today, and I was waiting for this guy to show up. I went to the car wash, and I had him detail the car this morning, okay? They moved everything. As soon as I got in it, I'm like, this seat is so far out of whack, I can't even begin to tell you. The height was off. The front and back was off. The angle on the back of your lumbar, all that was off. Head, everything. I felt it. As soon as I got in the car, I didn't even close the door. And I, I'm, oh my God, this, they changed every switch on that seat they hit. Subconscious, we know. Same thing with your rifle. Sight alignment, sight picture, bring the optic to you, maintain that cheek weld. Because then when you go to these alternate positions, when you back your power, open up that field of view, and you're, and you're compromised, Maybe you're going to free recoil it off a barricade and you're going to stand to the side. And all you're trying to do is look and line up the reticle on there, right? That's why you want to make sure all this stuff is set up well. Now, I don't recommend you doing that. I recommend you, you know, doing like what we've been talking about where you kiss up just a little lighter or your cheek pushes down, it brings the muzzle up and you do it that way. But that's why you set this stuff up. That's why understanding magnification on your scope and please, please 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 guys know the adjustments on your on your scopes okay no don't talk in clicks talk in the value you're using clicks are specific to that optic so if you talk in the unit of measurement, mills, MOA, right? Then we all have a basis for communication. Hey, put a click on. Well, what if your scope is a half minute per click? What if you're an 05 tenths of, you know, a fifth of a mil? That one click means different things to different people. But if you say put a quarter on, put an eighth on, put a mil on, you know, a tenth of a mil on, whatever the case may be, right away you understand what I'm saying. okay use the value, understand your scope, understand your reticle. Go to the manufacturer website, download the schematic for your reticle, laminate it, put it in your data book, put it in your rifle case so you know what those ticks and hash marks mean. Please understand the optic. And right now if you have a scope sitting in your safe that you zeroed but it's not doesn't say zero Zero on windage and elevation. Windage and elevation read don't read zero zero. Yet that rifle is zeroed. You're wrong. You are dead ass wrong. Okay? That's like some liberal shit right there. Zero your rifle, reset the turrets to zero zero. All this is part of sight picture. This is a fundamental thing, understanding how to adjust the sights. On your rifle. A scope is a telescopic sight. It's not a spotter, it's a telescopic sight. Sights are used to adjust the impact. It's more about the adjustment of the impact than what you're looking through. Don't worry about the glass, the glass will take care of itself. Worry about having that scope in a condition that works. If you're military or LE, when you get up off that rifle, you return everything to zero, zero, magnification goes all the way down. So when you're moving from point A to B, you're not moving on 25 power. You're moving on three or five. So if some snapshot bullshit, something comes up in your way, now you got an ACOG in front of you and not some 25 power toilet paper tube. Okay post-shot, pre-shot checklist, return elevation to zero, return any windage to zero, magnification goes all the way down. Think about that, okay? It's important that you guys get this stuff. Fundamental Frank, I'm preaching here, man. I feel like Jim Jones. I was trying to watch that Jim Jones shit last night. I feel like Jim Jones. We're all going to drink the Kool-Aid. I got to I got a Dragon Fruit, Power C, Gatorade, Vital Water. It's not Gatorade. It's Glacinol. But I got a Power C, man. That's some Kool-Aid right there. I'm drinking Dragon Fruit. If you want to be a dragon too, you got to get your shit in order. Right? That was somebody asked me. Who was it? Somebody asked me that. Um, I forgot where the hell I was. They wanted to know if I could be any animal, what I could be. And I told them a dragon. And it totally like blew their mind. They're like, if you could be in any animal, what would it be? I'm like a dragon. And I got claws and fire and wings and all this mystical powers. I'm a dragon. So, all right, guys. Hey, man, I'm going to get together with Mike this weekend. We're going to do some more of these casts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being part of the Everyday Sniper. Thank you for being on Sniper's Hide again and pushing those numbers way the hell up. I, I found it comical, man. I was like, oh, my God, you know, all these guys, you know, oh, you're doing this, you're, you're making drama for for clicks. Like, they, they they any discussion I make they don't like, it's clickbait. As if those 300 guys are making a difference. And I was like, oh, my God. Because I was looking at all this stuff today, especially I was looking at somebody's banner ad, and they just did a banner ad, and they wanted to know their stats. And, like, their banner ad, like, had, you know, a half a million views in the month. And it's it's like, you guys aren't, aren't, aren't making a dent in what I'm doing. I just find it funny, um, you know, going back and look at some of this stuff. Fundamentals, man. Understand them, right? Natural point of aim, sight picture, breathing, trigger control, follow through. Trigger control and follow through work together, Right, you can't have one without the other then call your shot where are the sites to engage your brain into that reticle that's where the bullet's gonna go follow it there again guys I hope you earthquake people are okay everybody's good hopefully they'll get the roads fixed we're already full of classes up in Alaska man they're done like if you didn't get in you probably didn't get in so um all right Thank you, and I will talk to you guys soon.